talking Illinois high school football. If your goals are as high as you talk about, tonight's the night you go out and just take one more step. It's a view from the West. And it starts right now! Welcome back to View from the West podcast. I'm your host, Greg Armstrong. View from the West, the podcast talking about Illinois high school football on the western side of the state of Illinois. Mitch is taking a bye week. He's taking the week off. So I called in a special guest, sports director from WQAD, Matt Randazzo. Dazzo, thanks for being on the show. Thanks for being on the show again. I feel like, is this, am I the first multi, uh, like repeat guest? I would say, because you were on the Western Big Six preview, and yeah. then you were on the bonus episode where we, uh, you know, kind of broke down what goes into a Friday night. For anyone listening, go back yeah. and listen to, <laughs> go back and listen to that show. So I drove around, you know, a normal Friday night going from game to game, kind of break down what a Friday night looks like in, you know, covering high school football for a TV station, ended at WQAD for their show, got my highlights in. And then, and then the debrief and the post-game show is where the, you know, where the chaos ensues. So I, I don't know how many people watch, listen to the very end. I thoroughly enjoyed the heck out of that. And I'm going to tell you right now, the one like so you text me like, Hey, can you pinch it? I'm like, absolutely. And I'm excited. What I realized is that usually these podcasts um, take up at least two of my runs during the week, if not three, if there's a bonus one. Yeah. And now I have nothing to listen to while we run, while I run because I don't want to listen to myself. So <laughs> I'm now I got to find something to listen to while I run this week. But that's the only negative. Um, what's weird, Greg, is I started looking at stuff. I think I wrote, wrote a script today. We're week, we're week four. We're we're over. We're a third of the way through the regular season, and it feels like just. Just yesterday, we were talking previews and, and, and trying to figure things out. So we actually have a pretty decent sample size on what these teams kind of look like and who they are after three weeks. I felt like this week after week three, you finally started to get some clarity. You finally started to see some teams separating. And uh, yeah, I, I agree. I think the- Except in the Lincoln Trail. Except, no. I can't figure that. That one we'll get to, but man, that's a head scratcher. But other than that, things are starting to make sense. That one just. <laughs> You're exactly right. We will get to that because, yes, the Lincoln Trail Conference is a bit of a head scratcher at this point, but that makes it fun. And hey, looking at a glass half full in the spring, by the time we got to week four, some teams were already done and some teams were already past the halfway point. So now, yeah. look at, we still got a lot more football left here in the regular normal nine game season plus playoffs so absolutely it's it's and it does like as stocking said in that bonus podcast this is where things get get fired up this is where things get really interested he was really excited for conference play and he's right like things got got things got turned up a couple notches you could tell last friday night hey the only thing hotter than the grill is brian stocking stats (laughs) am i right how good was that he was so proud of himself. He goes, I ad-libbed. <laughs> like, yes, you ad-libbed. So, no, he's as good as it gets. So we had a lot of fun on Friday night once again. Hopefully I'll plug the score real quick. But um, it, it's something different. So we did a live interview with Nick Welch, who's, who's as good as it gets. And then Kevin Tippett, literally. I think he said that his last, you'll like this, Greg. I heard him say to our photographer, I think four of our last five home games, I've done this. <laughs> so, because the last two last year, and then this is, week one and week three but um north on that side of the river i know this isn't that podcast but um so we talked to them but yeah a lot of fun um we eat a lot of food um we have a good time so tune in for a half hour of high school football which we can't wait to get greg back with us next or this coming friday and there's talks of maybe a possible 
return of Greg Armstrong later in the season. I don't want to get put things too far ahead of everything, but we, we may have like a return of Greg on air coming up later this year. Hey, I'm in. I love it. Yes, WQAD every Friday night, 1035. It's the only full 30 minutes, full half hour of high school football on a Friday night. You guys do a great job. I love the, you know, the mic'd up segments before a game. The coaches talk backs after games to really kind of dive into how the game played out. And, you know, the amount of highlights that you guys get from around the area. I love being a part of it. And so I'll, I'll easily yeah. promote the show. Yes. Yes, you can say we because you're part of it. And I will before we're too nice to each other. Um, when we all joined forces, you, me, Cuff, and all that kind of stuff, we had a pretty good like understanding of how to do a Friday night show, not to toot our own horns, and we were trained by the best with Dan Pearson, but we realized that we had to do things a little differently or, or just mix it up a little bit because we, we, we yeah, always have to think outside your box and continue to to get better. And so you were, the, the mic ups were a, real, a big thing that we did with you and the score talkbacks. And so it's not just your normal highlight show, there's a lot more to it. And it kind of started when the three of us got together well, four or five years ago, whatever it was, probably more well, than that. Yeah. I, I love it. I love, I love the Friday nights and I love covering, you know, high school football on, on the TV side of things. I didn't get to do it last week. I sat out last week, but did you see, did you see my setup in my basement? So I, I, I had to be at home. I found a way to get four different high school games live streaming at the same time. It was awesome. That's impressive. That which game, which, which four did you watch? Do you know, so I had, remember? I had uh, I had Kiwani St. Bede on my laptop, split screen along with Geneseo UT. Oh, wow. I had up on the TVs, I have two TVs in the basement sit right next to each other. Um, I had Dupec and Fulton on the smaller TV, and I had uh, Sterling and Galesburg taking up the big TV with the audio for the most part. For anyone who's who's never seen what Sterling does on a broadcast, they do such a great job. Uh, yeah. You know, Jim Spencer, Matt Gingrich, and actually they had Greg King, former athletic director and football coach, in yeah. as their uh, color commentator. It was really cool to hear his perspective. So anyway, they Sterling does a great job. I was watching most of that game. And actually, let's let's jump right in and talk Western Big Six. We'll get to Sterling in a minute. But let's talk United Township, Geneseo. And Dazzo, it was week one of the Western Big Six. And we may have seen the game of the year right out of the bat. United Township was down 17-8 in the third quarter. Matthew Kelly had been knocked out of the game, their sophomore quarterback, who had, you know, has looked really good up to this point. Credit to Geneseo early in this game. They really, they really stuffed the United Township offense and really kept them in check and were able to get some points on the board early. They were up, like I said, 17-8. A.J. Weller finds Jaden Weinzerl for a 23-yard touchdown score. That was early in the game. And like I said, Matthew Kelly is out, comes back in the game in the fourth quarter. He leads UT on two scoring drives in the final four minutes to almost steal a win at Geneseo. They come away with the 22-17 win. Man, that is a gutsy performance from a sophomore. And like Mitch pointed out last week, this was sophomore quarterback in Matthew Kelly versus sophomore quarterback in A.J. Weller. These two should put up some really good battles in the next couple of years. Absolutely. We did a uh, our score on the road at 11 o'clock out at Geneseo. We actually interviewed A.J. Weller and a really good young man. And you can tell somebody who's got a great head on his shoulders, really good baseball player as well. And, and as you mentioned, like you thought about this. If I would have told you two years ago that Geneseo, Geneseo, OK, 
But Geneseo versus UT was like your marquee matchup going into the Western Big Six season. No one would have ever believed you. And, and you mentioned everything that happened and hats off to Matthew Kelly and coming back in through injury, persevering, leading those touchdowns. So right there, what you just talked about was already an amazing game. Then you throw in the fact that Geneseo gets the ball back, takes it down the field, gets to the five-yard line, and it's Antoine Hawthorne, I believe. Is that yeah, right? Antoine Hawthorne chased Makes- down A.J. Weller as he's about to roll out and make the pass, and he bats, bats it down to win the game. So just a clutch performance on the defensive side for Hawthorne and UT to seal the win. You're right. Absolutely. Yeah, and so you look at a big victory, and, and I think going into this game, people were impressed with both teams, 2-0, impressive victories, doing what they had to do. The competition in those first two weeks for both teams went great. So you didn't know exactly what you had, but you knew you had good football teams. I think both proved that they're good football teams moving forward. And it's a tough one for Geneseo, and they'll have to bounce back and, and, and move on. They go to Galesburg next week. We'll talk about that in a second. But So they have a lot to get to. But for United Township, Greg, that's seven straight victories. And I know that, like you can say last year, but last year was – Three months ago, four months ago. So it wasn't that far off. It's an entirely different cast of characters almost, but it's the, um, the momentum's the same. The, the way that, that the culture is the same. It's, it, it sounds so cliche, it does, but the culture at United Township has changed quicker than maybe I've seen any high school program's culture change in my 20 years of doing this. And they expected to figure out a way to win that game. They won the football game. They've won seven straight games in a row. We talked to Coach Welch afterwards, and, and he talked about, like, the kids just expect to make plays down the stretch. How good is United Township in the grand scheme of things? I think we'll find out as the Western Big Six goes along. But what I'll tell you right now is this is a reload. It wasn't a rebuild. I think that was our big question. Was it going to be a reload or a rebuild? And they've reloaded with a ton of talent. And, and I think UT fans have to be excited about the fact that they got a gritty, gutty quarterback that's a winner. That's a sophomore, Greg. He's a sophomore. This is another two and a half years of a guy that you're going to trust make big plays, especially down the stretch. Yeah, yeah. Matthew Kelly is is proving to be a gamer. I mean, he, he looks really good. And it's one thing to, to win a blowout game in the games they won in weeks one and two. It's another thing to win this game against a good Geneseo team at Geneseo under the conditions that they ended up winning under. And, you know, Matthew Kelly's throwing to some really good athletes around him, too. I'm talking about Corey Randall. He had the 19-yard uh, score to cut the lead when you, when uh, UT was down. And then you look at Damas Slater, a name we've said uh, for the past couple weeks, and also Oscar Perez Velasquez. He had an amazing catch that ended up giving UT the lead. In the corner, right on the end, end line in the end zone, tapped a foot to get it in. I, I thought I thought it was overthrown. I thought Kelly threw it a bit too far, and I didn't think he was going to get to it. And, man, he did. He reached out and got it and got his foot down. Just a great play. I like what they're doing with Randall as well. Um, a couple different times he's come in as a Wildcat-type quarterback on two-point conversion situations. But also in this game, they put him in in a goal line set it just, you know, on a regular play and they called him in the wildcat. I, I love that when you have an athlete like that who can make those plays and he looks perfect for that part, man, I, I like what Nick Welch is doing. I like the pieces he's got. And like you said, I, we keep harping on it, but give him credit because this was an entirely new offense. 
These are new names that we were not talking about last year. So it's just, it's, it's really great what they're doing. And like you said, they're going to keep being tested. It's certainly not done yet. Geneseo scored a ton of points coming into this game. And for United Township defense, we'll, we'll talk to the names and the guys making plays at the end and all that kind of stuff, but they allowed 17 points and you're, you're almost infamous or famous or however you want to say it, but you're right. Last year, it, the teams were, and we'll talk about some of these high scoring teams when we get to Moline and Rock Island and some of the offense was, that was, that was put up, but for United Township last year, they had to outscore people to yep. win games. And that's no slight at their defense. It was a, it was a solid defense, but to, to, to take a team that has been scoring 50 points a game or whatever it was, Hold them to just 17 points. You're going to win a lot of football games doing that. Flip the script for Geneseo. I, I, I mean, you look at it and you're four minutes away from being 3-0 and for a program that played well in the spring but didn't make the playoffs for the first time in a long time in 2019. And, and you really have things going in the right direction. Um, it's a team who gets six games at home. So they've already played three at home. They're two at one. They still have plenty of work to do to make the playoffs. But I think, I think we realized – watching Geneseo that they're a playoff team and they're really close. And that's the thing that I'm going to be interested in next week is it's more of a mental game almost than anything else, trying to reload and refigure out what's going to happen next, because those kids just have to forget about that game, forget about the closeness, can, can forget about what almost was, and then kind of refocused on don't let one three or four minute period of football account for two losses instead of one loss. So we'll see how they do, but I was impressed with Geneseo as well. That's a really good football team too. Yeah, I think both teams really showed themselves well in this game. This was a game that was hyped up and both teams showed up and performed. And it's one of those situations where at the end of the day, somebody's got to lose the football game. You know, this is just a really good battle. Somebody had to fall short. That's United Township comes up with the win in that one. Let's keep moving down the list. Sterling gets the win 24-21 over Galesburg. But man, if you were watching this game at halftime or into the third quarter, certainly didn't look like that was the final score that you were going to see at the end of the day. I, I remember coming back to the station and, and you can hear Stockpile saying it in his Stockpile voice, we have an upset brewing in Sterling. And I remember him saying it was like 21 to six. And I remember listening to the podcast and, and, and you talking about Galesburg and they're not, they weren't known to football team they're really a good football team. And, and, and now you gotta, you're going to say the same thing, I, I assume. They're, they're not an 0-3 football team. That's, those are three close football games that they didn't get. They got to learn how to finish things. And, and I think that's the next step for them. But, boy, talk about the game a little bit, Greg, because Sterling impressive. And the, they did that last year. It reminded me of their game with Moline last year or then the spring where they kind of spotted Moline a, a huge lead and came back and won, you were watching it on the comforts of your, sounds like mansion man cave down in the basement, <laughs> but take us through the, the how, how they come back from 21-6 to, to winning this football game. Yeah, so, I mean, credit to Galesburg early on. They looked very good defensively. They were really slowing down Sterling. And now the thing to keep in mind is, by the end of this game, Sterling was down to their fourth string quarterback. Wow. So they've had several injuries. And um, then they had Garrett Paulson and Colt Adams both kind of share time. And it ended up being Colt Adams in at the end of the game for Sterling. He's technically like their fourth stringer. So they, I mean, they're really deep in the depth chart. On the flip side, the good news for Sterling was they got Carter Ryan, a running back slash wide receiver. They got him back. He was a big impact player in this game. 
But like I said, getting into it, Galesburg played great defensively early. Sterling got on the board first. They're up 6-0. Galesburg, really cool play. Aaron Carl gets a scoop and score off of a strip sack that his brother Nolan Carl created. He Nolan Carl created the fumble. Aaron scoops it up and runs it in for a touchdown. So that was what led, that was what tied the game. Geneseo, or sorry, Galesburg. I do that all the time, by the way. Always yeah. flip those names. Anyway, Galesburg then gets uh, Legate to Egyptiaco, touchdown pass, puts him ahead 14 6. They end up scoring again to on an eight yard carry from Richardson to go up 21 6. This is with a minute 55 left in the third quarter. Now, at that point, they got that touchdown and you know, they looked good offensively. Galesburg hadn't put it all together yet, but I thought, man, they've played so well defensively so far. Like they've put themselves in the perfect position to win this game. And man, right when you think that, that's when this Golden Warrior program, these kids are just so well coached and conditioned to not quit, to keep going next play, next play, next play. It again, reminded me of the Moline game, like you said. So um, Antonio Tablante gets a touchdown. He's looked really good for, for uh, Sterling this year. He gets two touchdowns. That ends up tying the game at 21. Carter Ryan then comes up with a huge interception. That leads to Sterling taking the lead with a Luis Diaz uh, field goal, a big field goal. He's number 59, kicker wearing number 59, the big man with a big field goal. You got to love that. So they take the 24-21 lead. Galesburg gets the ball back, but the Warriors would get a strip sack. That'll end the game. I'm going to run down some stats that I saw on Twitter at uh, the end of the night in the fourth quarter. Fourth quarter yardage, Sterling 118, Galesburg negative seven. Sterling, 10 first downs, Galesburg zero. The big one, Sterling, 18 points, Galesburg zero. Just what a remarkable turnaround for Sterling under some pretty rough conditions considering where they're at at the quarterback position. But man, you couldn't have asked for Carter Ryan to come back in a bigger spot for them. Yeah, and, and you mentioned the defense and, and causing. I, I, I know there was a 53-yard touchdown run in the fourth quarter. And to, If you're down 15 points, if I'm doing my math correctly, you're going to have to score and score quickly, and that helps out a ton. Uh, it seems like the last couple of years, Sterling has struggled staying healthy, especially at the quarterback position. Hopefully they can get healthy because this is a football team that can win the Western Big Six again and can do damage in the postseason. they got to figure out a way to get healthy and get healthy quick. But with that said, to, to play the way they played and to still come out with a win and to still come on the right side of it, it's, it's a big victory. And you mentioned the coaching staff. He's one of our favorites, John Schlemmer, not just John, but the, the entire coaching staff just does a, a fantastic job. And it's, it's a culture. I don't think at any point down 21-6 that those, those players, those fans even, think that they were out of this football game. They come back, get a huge victory. They now move on. They get another home game, maybe a, a chance to get healthy with Alleman. We'll talk about the Pioneers come up in a little bit, but a good opportunity for them. And now Galesburg, if you're even thinking about the playoffs right now, and a good Galesburg team, uh, Greg, we talk about this all the time. This is a really good and talented. We both like them coming into the year, and I don't think we're both wrong. I mean, you're looking at a one-point loss in week one, and now you're looking at a three-point loss on the road in the final minutes against Sterling. They're real. They could easily be two and one. 
they aren't, they can't dwell on that. And now they have, they have Geneseo next week and which might be the most, and I know I'll, I know Moline and Rocky are on this, on the schedule. So I don't want to get text messages and tweets from, from Morrissey or Hammer. I get it. It's the big game. We're going to talk a ton about it, but how intriguing is that game down in Galesburg with a Galesburg team that really needs to win and a Geneseo team that needs to bounce back after a, a really crushing loss. Yeah. I'm you. at some point, you just feel for Coach Blackwell and for these players. And I know for the people listening outside of Geneseo, they, everybody thinks I'm a broken record. There's just so much talent there. Sorry, Galesburg. There's yeah. so much talent in Galesburg. I feel for Coach Blackwell because in his first game as head coach, they're down by one and they go for two and end up a yard short, an inch short. And that, that, that's a one-point loss. In week two, they're winning at halftime 14-13 and get outscored to Morton in the second half. They fall in that one. In this one, they're winning again up 21-6 and just can't close it out. I mean, they're they're just they're snake bitten. And I know, you know, some of it's their own doing, but man, there, there's talent there. And like you said, that's an intriguing matchup that we'll talk about when we get to, you know, the week four games. But it's just you feel for Galesburg at some point because it's just those are some heart-wrenching losses. Um, you know, it, it's tough, but that's, that's the way it goes. The Western big six is tough and we knew it would be last thing on Galesburg for me, once it clicks for them, and I don't mean clicking as in playing well, cause they're playing well. Once they get on the right side of one of these close games, I think you're going to see that snowball and, and the wins maybe pile up a little bit. They just need, they just need to, to, to have a close game or a ball bounce their way one time and I think they're going to learn how to win how to make those and and I get it like I think it was uh, Matt Campbell the Iowa State head coach when they talked about always turn turnovers in the silent game and he's like you know I don't believe in luck you make your own luck and all that kind of stuff so there's there's truth to that but ever so often a, a ball bounces the wrong way um, you don't get breaks Galesburg will get them sooner than later and I'm sorry but well I mean you can look down the entire schedule for what Galesburg has left I don't want any part of Gale. I mean, if you're an opposing coach in the Western Big Six, they, I think every coach in the Western Big Six knows how good they are, and they're going to figure it out at the end of one of these times. So a dangerous Silver Streaks team, despite the Owens threat. Yep. Let's keep moving along. Moline gets the big road win, 48-35 at Quincy. This one was really interesting as well. Quincy was up 28-21 at the half. Moline then scores on their first four second half drives. That was the complete difference in this game. Once again, Riley Fuller, 252 yards rushing. Alec Ponder doing Alec Ponder things. Uh, 224 yards, including a touchdown passes of 51 and 56 yards. So the Moline offense, you know, they racked up over 600 yards in total offense. They did what, what they do and what they have done over the last year or so. But man, it's tough to go on the road and hop off a bus in Quincy and start playing football. I think we see that, you know, every year in one of these games. It sounds cliche, but I think it's true. You look at Moline and that offense is is young. It's fun. Um, There's there's a lot of pluses that for for me, Moline is all on the defensive side of the football. And they've been good early in the season, except for the first half against Quincy. And they gave up. I think the thing that and you'll we'll, we'll point out the I think they scored in their first four possessions in the second half so obviously doing a good job on offense but defense started getting stops and I think that's the important part with Moline and what will be underlooked or will be noticed in in this is the fact that 
the defense played so much better in the second half. And that went from being uh, losing by seven to winning by three scores. So um, defense is key for Moline. Bunch of dudes over on that side of the football, a talented defense. And you mentioned um, maybe sleepwalking going into Quincy against a, a Quincy team that's not that not as good as they've been in years past, talent-wise. Yep. And even this is a tough trip. And if you go down there, it's never easy to play. Um, but they righted the ship in the second half and they put up 48 points and they're going to put up a lot of points this year. It's a really good offense with Matthew Bailey and Al Conder and Riley Fuller. I mean, when you talk about the, the ability to throw the ball like they can, and then you add in Riley Fuller, almost going for 300, 252 on the ground or whatever it is, really impressive job by Moline to, to bounce back after a tough loss in week two, get back on track and start the Western Big Six late on the right foot. Well, they put up 48 points, but their opponent next week put up 56 <laughs> points. Rock Island gets the win over Allman, 56 nothing. Eli Reese completes 11 of 16, 238 yards, four touchdowns in the first half alone. He added a rushing touchdown. Rock Island ran away with this one. I think maybe we kind of saw that coming. Um, Quintarian Brooks, 55 yards. Darius Tongo, 46 yards and a touchdown. And Brooks had a touchdown as well. Marion Anderson with four catches, 88 yards, two more touchdowns. So they, they were filling the stat sheet in that one. Rock Island, they look really good. That's a good tune-up. And they're going to be tested next week against Moline for sure. That's, that's the big one coming up. Yeah, just to kind of talk about this one, um, got to be at the game for, I'm trying to think when I was even there, most of the first half. And, and Alvin played better in the first quarter. Um, got some first downs, um, had a lot of energy on defense. Um, they're, they're under man, under size, and that's just what it is. And I know that the Alvin people that will listen to this, that and I'm an Alvin guy, um, those kids are busting their butts off. It's an unfortunate situation with, with, with things that have happened at the school and the program and, and numbers are down and it just is what it is. But those young men that are out on the field have nothing to be embarrassed about because their kids, some of those kids have never played football in their lives and they're coming out and playing football during the senior season and all that kind of stuff. So, so hats off to them. I'm really impressed by Charles Jugasaw, what I saw from him in the sample size on defense as well, made some nice plays in the backfield and, and tackles for loss. The running game got going a little bit. So there's, you can see it starting to get there with Alleman. Um, It's going to be, a, it, and, and the thing with Alleman is they just need to have a, a game where they can see some positives on the scoreboard. And then you look at their schedule and, and, and try to find a game on that schedule in which you're going to be able to have that type of game. I don't know if it's there, but they're getting better. So Alleman's a work in progress and I really like Fritz and what he's, what, what he means, what he stands for and, and who he is at that program. Rock Island in the hand, really impressive. And, and that offense is clicking. Can you imagine this offense didn't score in week one? And then they go on the road and, and I can't remember how many they scored in week two, but 40 some maybe. I mean, they put up some good points down against Dunlap and then they go for 56. And, and that 56 is mainly most of it's in the first half. I know that. I mean, when you look at Darius Tango, me at 46 yards and a touchdown, he only had four carries. I mean, so yeah. it wasn't like they put in a full night of work by any stretch of the imagination. So that offense, that's, I think, the crazy thing for me is what I mean. And I was at that peaking game for the first half and I saw a really good peak in defense. I think peak is good, but Rock Island, you can tell there's just way too much talent, way too much athleticism to, to be shut out. And now that offense, once it gets cranking, once it gets going, it's going to go. So yeah, um, there's some good offenses going against each other in week number four. That's for sure. Well, let's, let's get right into the week four schedule here. Geneseo at Galesburg, Quincy at United Township, 
Allman at Sterling. And the big one, the rivalry, Rock Island at Moline. So I'll I'll defer to you first. What what game you want to talk? I will, and and I and I'm going to. And people would think you're being selfish by me by taking Moline Rock Island, which I'm going to. But I think you enjoy Galesburg, Geneseo. So I think I think <laughs> we're good both ways. So, but Moline and Rock Island. The best part about this rivalry is that like they're already talking trash on social media i've it's, seen I mean, yep it's like moline there's no m there's just an x yep. in front of it and i've seen the rocks be referred to as the pebbles several <laughs> times which i think is, is is really good too so um yeah it's just a great rivalry between two schools that don't like each other um they played to start the western big did they play to start the season um in the spring and i know that simply because i missed it because i was I was covering the NCAA tournament, which is crazy <laughs> that I missed high school football for that. But I, and who won that? Was Moline? No, Rock Island. Rock Island won it. Yep. And that was over at Rocky. So they're back at Running Field. And you mentioned just that the pieces to this game, and, and you have Ponder versus Reese, and you have, I think the two, it was funny in the Western Big Six banquet, um, both coaches brought up athleticism, and, and, and Moline talked about Matthew Bailey. And then Ben Hammer got up there and says, hey, nothing against Matthew Bailey, but when it comes to athleticism, Marion Anderson is, is, is my guy. So, like, you have two of the most athletic elite wide receivers, not just in our area, but in the state of Iowa or in the state of Illinois. And then you talk about the other parts around them in the running games and Tongo versus Fuller. There's just, it's a fantasy football. Ma- I mean, and so, bottom line in this game for me, Greg, and I'll let you uh, uh, chime in a little bit too, but defense whoever can get some stops in this game and some turnovers is probably going to win this football game right yeah and I think that's kind of what we heard in the season previews from both coaches was that that consistency on defense and getting those third down stops so I think yeah for these programs that's you know that's a key and like you mentioned in the game against Quincy for Moline I mean that's a tale of two halves when they when they slow Quincy down they're going to keep scoring, you know? So that's the difference in that game is that they don't have to go, you know, touchdown for touchdown. They can make a few stops and then boom, they're up two scores, you know? So I think that's where it, um, you know, comes down to a difference. And this Rock Island team, you know, for the disappointment that was in week one, they've stepped up every week since we, you know, we've now seen it in the last two weeks. We are, they are what we expect them to be. And Moline has proved it as well. This this lives up. It should live up to the hype, you know, but, but it's got a ways to go if it's going to be the best game in the Western big six, because Geneseo and UT really, really ramped that up in the first week of the play conference play. So here's my worry. And, and you'll appreciate this. I don't know if the viewers even will understand it, but we, this will be our game of the week. And so when we have a couple good games, we'll at least get, we'll leave somebody there the whole time. So I'm probably going to leave Jordan Franks there for the entire game, which we tell him, get us a minute, minute 15 of highlights. And like, he could have that in the first quarter. Amount of points that could be scored too. Like we want to have the winning coach on our talk back. Yes. And we're on, we're on a 10 35. So like we have a little extra time. Is this game done at 10 35? Well, that's what stocking has said the last couple of weeks. He's waiting for scores to come in. From yeah. the Western Big Six games because they take they they go late, so yeah. that's a good question. The good so, thing is though, the game is at Moline. It's at Browning Field. It's right down the road from WQAD. They could just head down the block and meet you there. I haven't talked to um to to Coach Hammer yet, but I'm going to talk to both coaches. 
And usually, you know, the visiting coach, if they win, they're going to want to get on the bus. So I'm, I'm telling, going to tell Coach Hammer, if, he, if they win, bring the bus and literally park it next to the patio. I'm not joking. And, yeah. and come on and join it. I'll get you a burger or a brat or whatever we got going. Grab your player of the game. And now if Moline people are listening to this and Coach Morsey, we'll do the same for them. Or it's easier to talk to them because they're going to stay, stay there as well. So it, it is. It's a really fun rivalry. One of the best, longest running rivalries in the entire state. And it's, it's good when both teams aren't great. Both teams are really good and both teams mirror kind of each other when it comes to skill positions and offense. I really, I can't wait for this game. It's going to be one of the best games of the season. I I agree. I totally agree. I love this rivalry. It just seems like that, like that epic old school, like big 10 type rivalry or like bears versus Packers type of rivalry. And, you know, I'm a uniform guy and the look of the, the Moline and the, the, the maroon and the white, and the red and the yellow meeting up at the line of scrimmage, it just looks classic. It's just iconic. It's a great rivalry. This game should live up to the hype. It has the last couple of years. So that one's going to be great. Um, you know, I'm looking at, like you said, Geneseo and Galesburg. I think it's really interesting because, again, a broken record. Galesburg's better than an 0-3 football team. I think one of these weeks, like you said, again, the ball's going to bounce their way. They're going to find something. Is this the week? I don't know, because Geneseo is going to be surely motivated to bounce back to prove that they can get that win, you know, and they, and they need one. They, they need a Western Big Six win. They don't want to start 0-2 in the Big Six. Same as Galesburg. That, that's a great one. Um, Quincy and United Township. Can Quincy keep up what they did in the first half against Moline? United Township has to avoid the letdown. You know, that that's kind of one of those classic, like, you know, let down scenarios. You can't let up now. Nick Welch, I know him well enough. I've heard his post-game interviews. He, there's no way he'll let that happen. There's just, there's no way that he lets his kids slip up, you know, in a, in a game like this. So uh, that, that should be a good one. And then Allman at Sterling, you know, Allman struggled this year. I think the question for Sterling is, can they keep getting healthy? You know, what, what's their team look like? Cause we really don't know necessarily the personnel that's going to be going out in some of those important positions. The defense has been there, but you know, the offensive skill positions, it's kind of week by week to see who's healthy. So I think that's kind of the rundown of the Western big six, but it it starts and ends with rock Island Moline. One, two quick things. One, you're right with, and this, I'm an out, I'm a pioneer. So I can say this probably a good time for Sterling to get out of it because they need to get healthy. And that might be a game in which you can, sit some guys, get some help because they're going to need people for the long, long haul. You'll, you'll enjoy this. And Stockpile told me this in the, in the, in the um, control module. Is that what he calls it? Whatever. Yeah, the, the command but module. Yes. It's, yes. It's a little different. I mean, when you hear the stat, it's pretty impressive, but then you, like you and I like to do, we like to poke holes and figure things out. But when do you think the last time United Township beat Geneseo? Oh, I saw this and it's one of those like, it's a stat with an asterisk by it's like they've played twice or four times in the last 60 years. I what can't is remember it? how many times they said that they played, but it's, it's their first victory since 1931. <laughs> of course he knows it. I love it. In 90 years, it's the first time you say, and that sounds like amazing. You're like, wow. And then you're like, how often have they played Stockpile? I think he's been five times. Yeah, exactly. So, but I just wanted to talk, you gotta love him. You have to. He's the best yep. in the best. So, 
so that that is our look at the Western Big Six. It's it's going to be entertaining week in and week out. We knew it would be. This will be another entertaining week in the Western Big Six. As we go through this list, I got to figure out. I haven't looked at like what game I want to go to yet, or what. I, I meant to tell you because <laughs> I I have the swing. Oh, okay, like, we're not going to do it. Then that's like that's the beauty of like if you listen to the bonus bonus podcast because it's it's early in the week and I already know what the swings can are and Greg's already wondering which ones he wants. So and that's the weirdness that we have when it comes to doing these things on Friday night. So nobody would appreciate that, but we're just yeah. like, oh, what do you got? You know? Well, I'll I'll figure out where I want to go and then you can tell me if that's feasible. So no, that's, that? that's that's how we do it. That's how <laughs> when you are a a big timer like Greg Armstrong, <laughs> you don't tell Greg Armstrong where he's going. Greg that's, Armstrong tells you where he's going. <laughs> but you always get the benefit of the doubt from me, knowing that like you know, I prefer some of the games off the off the main yeah. trail. So yeah. you're not coming in and saying I want to go to Rocky. Like you know, right now, as good a game it is, you're not going to Rocky Moline. I uh, yeah, <laughs> that's fine. I'll default yeah. to somebody oh, else. I, I have a few ideas of where you might want to go. So we'll <laughs> you know me well enough. Yeah, I do. I do. So. All right, let's head into the Three Rivers Athletic Conference Week Three scoreboard. St. Bede gets the fifty, or sorry, St. Bede falls to Kiwani 51-27. This was a matchup of two and O teams going up against each other. They traded punches in the third quarter. The Bruins drive ninety nine yards and score on a John Brady pass to Tyreek Fortney. That guy, that kid looks legit. He looks really good for St. Bede. Uh, two point conversion fails. The momentum did not stick around. Keontas Patterson immediately returns the ensuing kickoff 80 yards to the end zone. Speaking of dynamic playmakers, Patterson for Kiwani looks really good. I saw him play against Morrison. He's been really good. Late third quarter, Kiwani's Brady Clark scores a 37-yard interception return for a touchdown. I believe he also had an interception against Morrison as well in the game I was at. So yeah. big impact player on the defensive side of the ball. Kiwani is 3-0 for the first time since 2003. They've now won five games in a row at home. Stocking stat of the night at the end, Will Bruno had four first-half touchdowns, three passing, one rushing. So he's another playmaker. This Kiwani team, man, they they look sneaky good. They look really good this year. Listen to, like, when, when you rambled everything off, it, like, it checked every box. Yes. Will, Will Bruno offense, really good. Special teams, Patterson, really good. Um, they had a pick six, I think, for a touchdown. Or, or, yep. or, 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 or I think they did. Yeah, they did. Yep. Yeah, so defense scores a touchdown. I think what, what Coach Swanson's done a great job of is they have a, a, a complete football team. And when you look at 51, you look at those points, you think, wow, this offense is rolling and it's really good. But when you're getting the defense to pitch in and score some points and you're getting stuff from your special teams, it's a really dangerous football team. I have to give... Um, Coach Swanson, an apology and a little bit of a hard time because Coach Welch really is a passionate, passionate speaker. And so we we got behind in the show, Greg, if you believe it or not, because our talk back <laughs> with, with Nick Welch went a little bit. So it, you went a little long. So we're really, really long going into that. So we were trying to cut short on some games just to get us kind of back up to speed. And we didn't, we had the Patterson touchdown. The 80 yard touchdown. Okay. But it was our, it was, I had never seen them. The yeah. I didn't know what the highlights were. And it was our last, last of five plays. So I cut out of them after like three plays. And they, sure enough, after the show, and you know this, yeah, had a good show. Things went well. And I were like, man, that, that, 
that show. That was a good, clean, fun show. The talk about whatever. I look at my phone and there's Swanson giving me a hard time. <laughs> and so for his benefit, I did go put it back online and redid it for him. So it's on there. So I do have, but first, thank you for watching coach. That's the most important thing. We appreciate your viewership more than anything else. Yeah. It's a, it's a really good football team and to be three and oh, and there's some fun matchups coming up this week is one of them, but there's some, some fun matchups down the road with this, this football team. It's for real. And I think that's the, we knew it was going to be a good football team an entertaining football team, a good offense, but we didn't know. I don't think how good it was. And this is one of those teams that I talked about at the beginning. You're starting to find out which teams are, are, are okay are good and are really this is a really good football team that can do some special teams and things in a town that's good with football when you have Anna on Weathersfield down the road and you have Kiwani right there and um, the best pork chops you'll ever eat so yes I'm impressed with Kiwani right off the bat they've done a fantastic job yeah I really like Kiwani and uh they got another test this week we'll talk about that in a minute but another undefeated team in the Three Rivers Athletic Conference Mendota the yeah. new kids on the block in the Three Rivers, they moved to 3-0 with a win over previously undefeated Bureau Valley. They get the win 42-22. Mendota has scored 99 points in their last two games. Ooh. So they are looking really good. They're 3-0 for the first time since 2011. What I really was impressed by in this week's outcome was Mendota's versatility on offense. They've been a, a real run-heavy team. They've had a lot of success running the running the ball. Um, Uzi Angulo is one of is their big running back. Is the name we've called a lot. But this week, it was their offense. It was their passing game. It was Ted Landgraf connecting with Isaac Smith, Emilio Perez, and Damian Magdalenas. They all had touchdown uh, receptions in the game. So when Bureau Valley kind of you know pushed at them and kind of tried to stop the run they go to the air and they get the job done against a good Bureau Valley football team. So I, that's what really impressed me. So credit to the Trojans. They look really good in the three rivers conference right now. They, they certainly look like they fit for a program that had struggled over the years to get wins. And now they got three of them. Yeah. I'm really impressed with Mendota and, and give, I mean, it was a, a, a hard fought game by Bureau Valley, but there's still two and one in the season. Matt pistols first loss of this year with that group, but I think that you look at their schedule, there's some winnable games left on that schedule. And you guys, you and Mitch talked about it a lot last week. That's a team too, that with um, Pistol, a, an alum coming back to that program, a, a really good story with what they're doing. We'll find out more this week when we talk about their schedules for this week and so like that, because they never, they have another important game coming up this week that we'll talk a lot about. So um, Bureau Valley is still doing good things, but yeah, Mendota is really good. And they'll see how really good they are coming up this week when we talk about that. Yeah, well, speaking of really good football teams in the Three Rivers Conference, uh, Dazzo, have you heard of Princeton? They're, they're okay. <laughs> yeah, they're yeah, they're pretty good. They they get the rivalry win over Spring Valley Hall, and of course, I forgot to put the final score in my notes. It was forty nine to nothing at halftime. So yeah, I think we know well enough. Forty nine twenty, I think, was the final. Okay. There, thank you. Thank you. So, for, yeah. Be, um, yeah. It was just, I was curious on how much they won by for various reasons, but it was, it was a uh, 49 20, I believe was the final score. All right. So per Brian stocking, the tigers are now 21 and two in their last 23 regular season games. Wow. Thank you, Brian stocking for that one. Yeah. And in their last 21 wins, the tigers have topped 40 plus points 17 times. 
So they basically have scored 20, 17, 40 points, 17 out of the last 23 games. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Wow. Yeah. They're, yeah. I mean, they just. You talked about it last week, Greg, with Mitch, which shows that I listen. Yes. Um, that it's a different team, though. It's different on how what I've seen. And I, I want to see more of them. I only got to see them for a, a little bit of time against um, Orion. But it's not last year was so physical, run the football, Rondé Worrells, throw it a little bit. But this time with with Tegan Davis and what he does with his legs and with his feet, um, with his legs and with his arm. Legs and feet, <laughs> same thing. His feet but, too. I mean, it, yeah, yeah, his feet are part of the part of the process, but um just a different team. And 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 we mentioned those those points. I would be curious, and this is a maybe a challenge to stockpile, to find out how often they've held teams under. You know, now obviously the 20 points in the second half doesn't have it in this game, but their defense is really good as well, Greg. I mean, they pitched a shutout in the first half and up 49 nothing. So it's a well rounded, really good team. Um, I'm curious to see how 3A is going to be diff- interesting this year. So I'm curious to see how far they, but it's, it's one of those teams that obviously we're going to have check marks. We're going to be watching because a fun team to watch and a ton of talent. Yeah, I just, you know, going back to what you said, I'm so impressed with the way that they've, you know, kind of maneuvered their offense to fit the personnel they have, and they haven't missed a beat. I mean, I that's what has impressed me. I figured they would still be a good football team, but man, they are still a great football team looking really good. We'll talk about their matchup coming up this week. They have a good matchup coming up. Um, let's move down the way. Monmouth Roseville gets the road win 43-28 over Morrison. They moved to two and one now. They lost in week one. They've now won two games in a row. Um, Derek Chandler running back for Monmouth Roseville, 129 yards rushing, two touchdowns, and 16 tackles. He's been doing it on both sides of the ball for them in the past couple weeks in their wins. CJ Johnson had 119 yards and a touchdown and 13 tackles. Quarterback Silas Braun, three touchdowns. And he also threw for 104 yards, 74 yards rushing as well. I think the big thing, though, they had a lot of offense, as I just rambled off. They also had four fumble recoveries and a blocked punt. So this team is really doing it, you know, like we've talked about with other teams, like Kiwani, I think was a team you mentioned. They're playing well on all sides of the ball. You know, Jeremy Adolphson mentioned in a tweet after the game, these guys are playing with confidence and they're progressing each week. I think that's what I've seen, too, is that, this is a team that went from week one, a road loss at Kiwani. Now we're seeing a good Kiwani team. You know, they lost yeah. that one, but they battled through. Monmouth Roseville is a team for me to keep an eye on because I think when you look down their schedule, I think there's wins that they can pile up. I, this is a playoff team if they play well. If they get the job done, I think this is a playoff team. They, they, they added a few players that weren't eligible week one um, that have made an impact a difference. A, a good friend of mine, um, is on their coaching staff. And so I've talked a little bit about him, about what they have. And, and, and I know that there is a coaching staff is excited about what the team has done and, and how good they can be moving forward. And it's got that, it's not the same feel as it was, was it three years ago now where they made that, but it's, it's an improving football team and it's young. That's the yep. thing with some of these guys, they're, they're young football players that, and you and I both know how good Jeremy Adelson is at his job and what he does and that staff. So I'm encouraged and I'm interested to see how good you can get. You mentioned looking at their schedules, there's winnable games uh, uh, down the stretch and they're already at two. They can start piling up some victories 
this is a playoff team. It should be a playoff team in my mind. And we'll see if the Titans can, can get over the hump and get to where they're at. Morrison, on the other hand, I, I think not quite in the same category as Galesburg as an 0-3 football team. But this isn't a bad 0-3 football team. This is a good 0-3 football team that needs to figure a few things out and ha- get that victory to get things rolling. But they, they're doing some nice things, especially on the offensive side of the football. Got to put it together on the defensive side. Yeah, I mean, Alex Anderson is a name we've called out the last couple of weeks. He had 124 rushing yards. He's doing some good things. Uh, they got a 40-yard touchdown pass from Danny Mao as well. Uh, it, you know, it's just just not quite enough. I think they do have some key injuries as well. So if they get healthy, that would go a long way for them. But, um, yeah, you know, Morrison is struggling right now. They, they do fall to 0-3. I think the big thing for Monmouth-Roseville, real quick before we wrap them up, is I think that their line play is going to be one of those difference makers moving down the road. I think they have a good, solid line, and I think that they'll be they'll be a really good, they'll be a really tough out for any team because they're so good up front. I think that's something that will make a difference for them. Let's keep moving down the way. Rock Ridge gets the 55 to 12 win over Riverdale. They moved to two and one on the season. They recover the opening kickoff fumble, and then Braden Deem immediately hits Nate Henry for a 38 yard touchdown to start the game. Dean had five touchdowns in the first half of that game. Peyton Locke, Alex Zartanis also combined for three scores. You know, the Rockets rolled in this one. Man, they got that offense. They looked really good again. If you have Rockridge players in your fantasy high school football team, then you did all right. Because everybody yeah. checked, we're checking a lot of boxes tonight, and Braden Deem had a great game. I was there for the beginning of that game, and, and, and yeah, they, get, they recover. It was almost like a pooch kick, um, not onside kick, but a pooch kick that they, they got down and recovered nicely, kind of surprised Riverdale. And then, yeah, boom, right away, they scored with Nate Henry. Nate Henry's one of our score standout um, nominees this week. And so um, I, we, coach, um, Jeff Henry, you know, dad, with his stats, and he gave them to me. And then he corrected me yesterday. He said, I want, to be, I want you to know I've been, I've been instructed to tell you that Nate's stats were wrong. He shorted him of one reception, nine yards. Mom was not happy about that. So <laughs> he had seven receptions, 157, three touchdowns. But then he also had a, an interception on defense. So, um, yeah, everybody played well. Riverdale, I, and you all agree with this, and, and it seems like everybody's our favorites, but Guy Derricks is, is, is as good as it gets. And uh, numbers is a, is, is a thing at, at, at Riverdale, and it's going to be a little bit of a struggle this year. But they'll start to build and start doing some better things. Putting up 12 points and scoring later on in the game was, was nice for them to see that. But, yeah, Rock Ridge after that start and after that, you know, you kind of eye-opening loss at Princeton has come back to not only beat um, Newman in an impressive fashion in week two, but now kind of do some of the things they did last year, a lot of. In the spring, these were the – this is what we saw from Rock Ridge is taking – maybe an opponent that they should beat and taking, making quick work of them and being done quickly, 55-12 impressive victory for uh, Rockridge. Uh, I got to make sure I get it right because I heard Jim Taylor on his Saturday morning show, Alex Zarlatanis. I yes. think that's, that's how you pronounce it, right? Remember his brother played, I don't know, I think you were with us. Maybe it was just after you left us, but we, Bully had to correct us. Okay. Yep. And then like, if for the longest time, I wouldn't even say the name. I would just look the cuff and have him say it on air just because I knew I was going to mess <laughs> it up. So, but yeah, um, listen, bully knows his stuff. So he wants to make sure that it's a, 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 a good product all the time. So absolutely. And then there was some Saturday games in this, in this conference as well. Yes. Um, Orion, 
Orion and, and Newman um, played on Saturday night. Newman beat up a little bit. Marcus Williams is, is going to miss some time, and they get a victory at home against a, a good Orion team, 27-13. Yeah, Orion, I think they hung around early on in that one, and Newman ended up kind of pulling away to get the 27-13 win, like you said. So Newman moves to 2-1. and one. Orion now 1-2. and two. Um, Earlier in the day, Sherrard um, hosted Erie Prophetstown. Before we get to the game action, really cool uh, thing out in Sherrard. They honored Bryant Luxmore, who was a Sherrard graduate. He had joined the Army in 2011 and was killed in Afghanistan in 2012. He was a football and a baseball standout at Sherrard. The Tigers retired his number five. Really uh, cool. So on, on September 11th, they honor him and his family was there as they retire his number five. Really cool moment. I'm literally getting goosebumps talking about it because it, you know, it's one of those names, you know, um, Bryant Luxmore was a name that we've heard, you know, yeah. over the years for, you know, for the sacrifice that, you know, um, that he gave for us, for our country. And, you know, we knew he was an athlete at Sherrard. So a really cool uh, moment before the game. I saw the picture. I believe TJ uh, Duckett was there. Um, as far as the game, Erie Prophetstown looked really good. They get the win 55 to nothing. Erie Prophetstown was another one of those teams that they were 0-2 going into, into the week. But I just felt like they were better than that. They played um, a really good Mendota team in week one and fell short. And then they lost on a last second field goal to St. Bede in week two. So I just really felt like that was a team that was, you know, ready to make that push. Um, Colby Franks, Mason Misfeld, those are some, you know, some names for Erie Prophetstown doing good things. I think Erie Prophetstown's better than, you know, better than maybe their one and two records. They had a tough start to the season. Yeah, some close losses for them. Good to see them get them over the hump. And, and you're right. Um, you can look at that score if you're a Sherrard person, a Sherrard fan, and, and it doesn't matter. You know what I mean? On a day like that with what, what you talked about, and we had a news crew out there uh, would tell the story too, and it was, it was really touching and a really cool moment as well. Um, backtrack real quick before we talk about the week that is, which is a good week in this conference. A um, couple things about Orion and Newman is that, that Newman's first and last touchdowns of the game one was a 92-yard touchdown by Nolan Britt, and the last touchdown of the game was a 95-touchdown yard, a 95 Padilla. So if you take away those 90-plus touchdown runs to start the game and to finish the game, it's a, it's, I mean, it's a real, and then it was a close game already. So yeah. Newman beat up a little bit. We'll see if they can get healthy as well. Marcus Williams is one of the, the, the best athletes you're going to see in our area. And then, of course, um, we like Chip, and we know that Orion's getting better young Orient football team now one and two to see, look to see if they can bounce back this week. Yeah. That's a tough loss for Newman. You hope that, you know, hope that to see him back on the field sooner than later, yeah. because he's just such a dynamic running back when you, when you saw him make those plays and yeah, for Orient. Yeah. You know, hopefully Chip Filler, that was a tough game, you know, tough loss on a Saturday night at Newman, but hopefully they can rebound and get things going. Let's look into the week four schedule. Kiwani at Bureau Valley, Mendota at Princeton, Newman at St. Bede, Orion at Riverdale, Sherrard at Monmouth Roseville, Rock Ridge at Erie Prophetstown, and Morrison at Spring Valley Hall. I tell you what, you can't ask for the conference to shape itself up any better when you say Kiwani and Bureau Valley now play each other and Mendota and Princeton now play each other. And all four of those teams 
you know, going into last week were undefeated, you know, very yeah. good football teams. You, you look at it right now, those four football teams are 11 and one. Yeah, so, you're right. Overall yeah. Combined. So yeah, those two right off the bat, really intrigued with Kiwani and Bureau Valley. Kiwani's played really good football. They go on the road. I think Bureau Valley's better. Um, a really good and fun matchup between those two. And obviously the one that stands out is Mendota and Princeton, two 3-0 football teams. And the way both have been playing, not just winning games, but just destroying teams, really intrigued to see if someone can test Princeton. And if it is, if it, if it is Mendota. So we'll kind of see that as well. And I know going down it real fast too, I'm intrigued by Rock Ridge and Erie Provincetown. I, I, I like Rock Ridge. I like what they do offensively. I, I agree with what you said. I think Erie Provincetown's much better than one and two. They had two close losses. They could easily be two and one. And if you kind of flip that around and say this is a two and one game versus a two and one game, I think people would look at it differently. Just a, a sneaky good game down, down the stretch there a little bit to see if Rock Ridge can continue to win and win their third straight or Erie Provincetown found something and kind of get over the hump and play. So those that's the one that kind of intrigues me a little bit. But that those first two games, man, just that's as good as gold right there. Yeah, those are yeah, those are great games. Newman's got a tough test. They got to go on the road to St. Bede, and St. Bede fell to Kiwani. But man, I think there's pieces there for St. Bede. I think they're a good football team. Newman is, I mean, they're a great program. They're always good. Hopefully, you know, injuries aren't catching up to them. That should be a good football game as well. So lots of great games. Those might be some games that I'm looking at at going to, actually. Yeah, well, that that happens to be a swing. Okay. (laughs) That happens to Princeton to Bureau Valley is a swing. I'm just putting it out there. Okay. Wouldn't it be? Games, you know, all that kind of stuff. So. No, I think Greg's smiling from ear to ear for a reason. Look at that. <laughs> Those, the winner. We're on the same page, I think. All right, let's go to the Lincoln Trail Conference. There's only one trail. We've discovered that over the years. It is. I, I learned so much from you, Greg. <laughs> <laughs> the Lincoln Trail Conference. Knoxville gets the 55 to 14 win <clears throat> over Stark County. Blue Bullets scored touchdowns on their first eight possessions. Yeah. Wow. Knoxville had 540 total yards on 30 plays. So they are racking up some big time yardage. Peyton Hankins, Kellen McClay lead the way over 300 all purpose yards, five scores in the first half alone. And man, they, they just look really good. Knoxville fits in the Lincoln trail. They look really tough right now. Yeah. I'm just impressed with, and I'm trying to figure out Stark County because I think Knoxville's that good. But start counting that impressive win week one and then struggled the last two weeks. But I would tip my cap to and credit Knoxville more than I would blame Stark County. Just the numbers they've been putting up offensively, really impressive. And they're only really rivaled by A-Town and another newcomer to this conference as well. We'll talk about them in just a second. So really impressed with what Knoxville's done so far and see if that can continue. That's been a good program, Greg, that people, I won't say slept on, but this is nothing surprising to anybody who's covered and knows what this football team's about because Knoxville has been good for a while and they're really good this year. Yeah, I think for selfish reasons, us being in the Quad Cities area, I'm glad that Knoxville is playing in a conference where they come our way more often because yeah. in the Prairie Land, oh, they absolutely. were kind of going, they were going more towards Peoria. So now yeah. to have them coming this way, I love it. I love, you know, being able to see them more. How about this for a stat? Knoxville's first team offense 
has had 12 possessions and they've scored 12 touchdowns. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So they're talking about efficient. That's about as good. That is as good as you can get. So yeah. moving down the list, as you said, A-Town, they moved to 3-0 and on the season. They get the 52-14 to win over Ridgewood. They're another team that, you know, I think we came in thinking that they had pretty good numbers. They've had success in the spring. What could they do here? And man, they, they look really good, you know, defeating a Ridgewood team that struggled a little bit, but they are in the driver's seat. And there's big time potential here for them to make a lot of noise in the LTC. Speaking of, um, you know, making some noise in week three, Mercer County, after sitting out with a COVID scare in week two, they bounce back and get the nice win at United. They win 40 to 26. Mercer County with 16 unanswered points in the second half. I just, man, they had a slow start to the game. And I think a part of that is, man, they sat out for 10 straight days. You know, in the middle of your football season, everything is shut down. In the, in the COVID world we live in, it's, you know, it's something that we're used to. We know it is a potential to happen. But when it actually does happen and you have to completely stop everything on all the momentum you've built, man, that's tough. So I give them credit. Their defense stepped up big time in the second half. They slowed down a United team that put up 38 points the week before. So, you know, really great effort from Mercer County. Yeah, and, and you feel for those kids just kind of getting on track. And, and, and we know what COVID had taken away from kids last year. They kind of haven't affect this team this year. I know it's been, been frustrating for Andrew Hofer and the coaching staff and those kids. So to see them kind of take out some frustration and get back on the field and play well was nice to see. Um, they're going to have to make the most of a lot of these games because that forfeit loss does put them behind the eight ball, does have them at, at one and two in the season. Now that one game that they were supposed to play was against the Knoxville team that is obviously really good. So do they win that game either way? Who knows? But now they're one and two. Um, and and a, they played Farmington in week one. And we know covering this area, how good Farmington has been. And that program has been down in the Peoria area as well. So um I believe Stockpile said that Mercer that United had never beaten Mercer County. I think I saw that too, which is really and, surprising. And yeah. so, cause he had that as his, Oh boy, look at this. Because as you mentioned, those 16 unanswered points came in an important time because they were trailing in the second half. So um, I, I United, I'm trying to figure out because yeah. they pounded Princeville last week. They lose to Mercer County. And I thought the best team in the entire LTC, and it may still be the best team in the LTC, Anawan Weathersfield, who's ranked fifth in the fourth in the state. Yep. They go down to Princeville and they lose on a last second field goal to lose nine to eight on a team that I've been putting up. That's why I'm, we, we talked at the beginning. I'm trying to figure out the LTC because this team scores 40 points getting out of bed. <laughs> and only get eight um, is really confusing to me, but hats off to a Princeville program that that's good. It's a good Princeville. They get their first victory and, and Princeville needed that win or they're 0 three. And that's a program that always is in the playoffs in one way, shape or form. So Anwan Weathersfield's first loss under new head coach, they got to go back to the drawing board and figure some things out, but that's still a really good A&W team. And I know one last thing is I've noticed it's a young Anwan Weathersfield team. I think so. And yep. sophomores, some some sophomores playing some some good key positions. So not blaming that, but you get inconsistency with high school kids in general, more or less sophomores. So that might be part of it as well. I'm looking forward to seeing how they bounce back this week for sure. Yeah, I, I'm curious to see what 
Anwan Weatherfield, you know, brings into next week and how they bounce back. Um, we'll get to the, who they play in a minute. But on the Princeville side, I think this is more what we expected to get out of Princeville yeah. than the week before. And that's no offense to United. United played a great football game and came away with a win. But Princeville is, it, they're, they're always up at the top of the conference and, and competitive. And it just seemed like for them to lose as big as they did in that game, they bounce right back and they, you know, they win against a very quality football team in Anwan Weathersfield. It's just one of those things that shows every week, week in and week out. And like you pointed out, you know, high school age kids, you, you never know, you know, you just, you don't always know what's going to show up and what team's going to be ready. Um, so just a really interesting, um, you know, the way things going, the way things are going in the Lincoln trail, it's going to be interesting to see how they continue to go. The other game that we uh, will talk about, the last game, Macomb defeats Rova Williamsfield 40-22. Rova Williamsfield played tough in the non-conference game on the road, but they did fall a little bit short on that one. Let's look into uh, week four here and see what we got on the Lincoln Trail. Mercer County at A-Town. That is a game that I think we'll talk about in a minute here. Ridgewood at Anawan Weathersfield. United at Knoxville. Princeville at Rova Williamsfield. And Stark County at Elmwood Brimfield. So Stark County is the non-conference game this week in the Lincoln Trail. Mercer County and A-Town, that's an interesting one. Can Mercer County keep this momentum moving? Yeah, I mean, and that's when you look at their schedule and how tough it was to lose that, that game, that forfeit, albeit to a very talented and very, very good Knoxville team, makes things very interesting because Mercer County, not playing for their playoff lives, but this would be a big victory in getting back on track. You look at this conference, Greg, and I'm still trying to figure out, is A-Town the best team in the conference? Is Knoxville the best team in the conference? I thought Anawan Weathersfield might be the best team in the conference, and they still may be before falling last week. And I think Mercer County is a good football team too. And that's without mentioning Princeville, who just won. So, yeah, yeah. when you look at this, this slate of games, Mercer County, A-Town really stands out to me. Um, can the Mercer County defense – the one that we saw, especially in the second half, slow down the tornadoes and their offense. And, yep. and that's kind of pot. And then I, my eyes are going to be on Anawan Weatherfield because Ridgewood, while maybe down a little bit this year, is well coached to the good program. And I'm just trying to figure out what happened with Anawan Weathersfield. We'll see if that young team, they have plenty of motivation right now, can bounce back and get a victory being at home. I think the thing to look at as we continue to move throughout the season is um, I had heard before the year started that A-Town's numbers were up. A-Town had a good amount of participation in their program. Knoxville, I think, has a lot of players in their program as well. They're not playing both ways as often as some of the 1A schools in the Lincoln Trail. Mm-hmm. How will that be? Will that be a separating factor as the season continues, where it's just a matter of conditioning? Is that these guys aren't getting as worn out? I, it's something to watch for. I think that that's... Yeah something interesting with Knoxville and A-Town moving into this conference. But like you said, this, this conference, I think is fun because it's kind of a question mark week in and yeah. week out. So oh, absolutely, we will, we will watch and see the results come in and maybe scratch our heads again, like we did last week. So that last week was weird, man. Like getting some <laughs> of the final scores, I was just like, no, like stockpile, are you doing this crack? Like I, I yeah. had to double check things, but yeah. So we'll see if things get back to normal or if it's crazy as always, but it really has spiced up the conference to add the A-Towns and the Knoxville, two yep. really good additions 
to what was always a really good conference as well. But when you look at it, used to I don't, I'm, I'm I'm looking to make sure I'm not going to get myself because Stark County was always in the mix as well. But it was it was Mercer it was A and W Mercer County for the longest time with Stark County, and then somebody kind of joining in the fun every year. You yep. put a Knoxville and an A Town on there right off the bat. I mean, the conference just from top to bottom got a lot better with the addition of those two. Don't ever question stocking. Why would you questioning Never. stocking on a Friday night? Don't ever. Oh, I'll it. get it. I'll get it. Don't worry. I'll hear from you. He'll listen to this and he'll give me a hard time. That's for sure. That's All for right. Sure. Let's wrap things up with the Northwest Upstate Illini. We got the 11 man and the eight man contingents both represented here. We'll start running down the list. Dakota gets their first win of the season, 14-6 over Stockton. That's a big win for Dakota because they they needed it. They you know they were struggling to start the season, so they get the win there. East Dubuque. Now, Dazzo, this was another team in East Dubuque that I said I saw them play against Fulton, and I said they're they're better than an 0-2 football team. Yeah. And sure enough, the East Dubuque they go on the road to Deerfield, Wisconsin. Now, how much do you know about Deerfield? Have you scouted them out? Or? I, I I I feel like I did not do my job when it came to this. Like I should have. I didn't. I, I was scurrying to get our whole area. Now you're throwing Deerfield, Wisconsin, in on me. So no, I do not. Stockpile probably has something on it, but I do not. Uh, well, anyway, East Dubuque goes on the road, and they they proved me right. I thought that East Dubuque was better than Owen two. They get the big fifty-eight to twenty win. Sam Huntington, 171 yards and a touchdown. Dawson Fan, who we had in our highlights, you saw his highlight, um, like a 70-yard run. He was bouncing off Fulton tacklers. And Corey Cuffler, as soon as he saw the highlight, goes, that should have been our play of the week. Like, it was a great run. Dawson Fan has 151 yards, two touchdowns. Quarterback Sam Bowman, three touchdowns through the air. So just a great effort all the way around from East Dubuque. So they, they get their first win of the year. I think there's more wins coming for that football team down the road in this conference. We'll keep moving down the way. Forreston gets the 34-13 to 13 win over Eastland Pearl City. Cardinals running back Jacob Furiello goes for 115 yards. He had a rushing touchdown and a receiving touchdown. The Cardinals have completed exactly one pass in each of their three games. So... The Forest and Cardinals are a running football team. I don't think that's a surprise to anybody, but they're proving it once again this year. They moved to two and one on the season. Let's keep moving down the list. The two big games, we'll save the best for last in the in the Northwest Upstate Illini. Dupec gets the 38 to 24 win over Fulton. So they moved to three and oh. I think the big separator in this one was the offensive line for Dupec. The Rivermen, they really set the tone. They led the way for 458 yards of total offense, 329 of those on the ground. And I think that's what really stands out to me is that last year, Hunter Hoffman, the quarterback for Dupec, was so dynamic. They were so prolific through the air, and they had some running game to go with it. But this year, they seemed so well-balanced. You got Trenton Taylor. He was a workhorse with 124 yards on 25 carries. Hunter Hoffman gets his. He has 16-yard touchdown pass to Bo Seaton. That really kind of iced the game for Dupec. Fulton played well. Fulton's a good football team, but Dupec was just bigger and stronger. And I think that, that they really kind of proved that they are one of the top teams in the conference. The other team that always has a say in the Northwest of State Illini, Lena Winslow gets the 20 to nothing win over Galena a name we've called out week in and week out, Ethan Fye. He had another big game for the Panthers. He scored all three of their touchdowns. Galena played well, but Lena Winslow's defense was consistently able to get the stops when they needed to. 
This is going to be a fun, it's not coming up yet, but down the road, Lena Winslow and Dupec are, are the teams, you know, I think they're the teams to beat. That's the showdown left in the Northwest upstate Illini. There's some other teams that they could pull off an upset, not saying it's impossible, but they are the teams that are, you know, really looking good. Let's go to some eight man results, but Dazzo, before we get to the eight man results, we got to talk about our uniforms of the week. Our, we had, we had two of them this week. I saw one of them and I can't remember which one it was. So we had two uni uni view uniforms of the week. First coming from West central, they get a patriotic themed uniform. Now West central is the red and white colors anyway, but they had their WC logo on yes. the helmet with yep. the stars and stripes in it. They yeah. had a Jersey that had stars and stripes across the shoulder pads and the red, the, you know, it's a white Jersey with, you know, the blue and uh, red stripes down the white pants. That's on the view from the West Twitter account. You can go check that one out. And the other one coming from Galva, they've done this in the past, but they um, they represent the National Guard. They do what they call like almost like a National Guard type of uniform. And it's an army like camouflage look. Really cool. So they broke those out on uh, September 11th to honor, you know, honor America with the National Guard uniform. So credit to Galva, credit to West Central, some eight-man teams. Busting out some great uni game on, uh, you know, their 9-11 tributes. Looking down the scoreboards from the eight-man ranks, Polo gets the 36-28 to win over Amboy. Aquin gets the 54 to nothing win over Alden Hebron. Milledgeville, 64 to nothing over River Ridge. Orangeville, 56-7 to over Hiawatha. And West Central, the team we had just referenced, got the 38 to nothing win over Bushnell Prairie City. So the thing that's interesting about these eight-man ranks is a lot of these teams have come down in the NUIC from 11-man to eight-man, and man, they just continue to dominate now in the eight-man ranks. Yeah, I'm really impressed. We got to see a little bit of West Central. We had some highlights of them on on Saturday. Really impressed with what Jason Kirby's doing, and and they continue to really pound the football and play really well on offense. So. Um, and yeah, you're right. I mean, it's, it's, it's a fun, it's a fun style of football. I mean, the offense is going to be more, the, the, the scoring is going to be more, all that kind of stuff. So really interested to see how some of these teams, especially these first year programs in eight man, how they do down the stretch, how they do in the postseason, and where this may all lead to, because you mentioned the ones that have had more experience in playing traditional football. have had a lot of success so far this season. Yeah, I mean, we've always talked about how good the Northwest Upstate Illini is year in and year out. And I, I'll say it, I think, you know, stacked up, you know, against other conferences, I think they're the best conference in the state of Illinois. Their success mm-hmm. is, is, is unrivaled. And you look down the list, Milledgeville sitting at two and one, their only loss came to Polo. Polo's three and oh, Orangeville's three and oh, and Aquin's three and oh. So, yeah. you know, they're, they moved down to eight man and those teams look really good. Um, We'll get to who they play. So West Central is at Amboy. Milledgeville is two and one. They go on the road to Blue Ridge. Aquin and Orangeville, both three and oh, meeting up against each other. That's probably the eight man um, yeah. game of the week. And then uh, Decatur Lutheran is at Polo. And that's, like I said, they're the other three and O team. Looking at the 11 man teams coming up here in week four, Dakota is at Forreston. East Dubuque has the test against Lena Winslow. Galena is at Stockton. Dupec is at Eastland Pearl City. 
and Fulton travels way down to Madison, Illinois, which is uh, Galena went there in week one or week two, I believe, way down in Southern Illinois, I believe near St. Louis. So they, they got a road trip ahead of them. The game that go, – oh, go ahead. No, I was going to say the one that really intrigues me, and, and you, you talked about how, you know, eventually there's going to be that showdown between Dupac and Lee Wynn. And, 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 but this I, – I, I'm on board with this East Dubuque stuff. I'm on board with, with what you're selling. I'm curious to see how they stack up. They've had a really tough schedule to start the season. And I know they come in at one and two, but I'm curious to see that game and to see where they stack up against a really good Lena Winslow team, see if they can hang with, even a beat a Lena Winslow team, see if they can get some momentum after that first win last week. Um, that's the one that kind of jumps out to me. Yeah, they played, uh, East Dubuque played pretty solid defensively in week one against Dupec. And uh, they hung around with Fulton for a little while. I just, you know, if they can get their offense moving, they got some playmakers. It would be, you know, it would be an upset. You know, you, yeah. you look at recent oh, track records, it would be a big upset. But yeah, I think there's there's potential there. But it's Lena Winslow's conference until somebody yeah. until somebody proves that it's not. So and, and I just kind of think it's a measuring stick, and it doesn't have to be. If you don't win, you fail. I'm just curious to see how they yeah. go up against a state power like Lena Winslow. I don't think anyone expects them to go in there and get a victory but with that being said I'm just just curious to see how they how they stack up they've, they've played really good teams already their schedule's been one of the best um in, in that in that part of the uh state so I'm curious to see where they stack up with that yep uh the other one um that stands out you know like we talked about Dupec and uh Eastland Pearl City Eastland Pearl City struggled a little bit to start the year but um you know can they they'll be at home can they knock off Dupec you know Dupec's got to keep you know firing on all cylinders and they're becoming, they've transitioned into the team that, you know, is the hunted, you know, like they've been a building program where they were chasing some teams down and now they're kind of being chased a little bit. They've kind of flipped a little bit. So they're, you know, they're in that role. They got to keep things going. So, um, you know, we'll see how things shake out, but that's, that's the way things look for the Northwest upstate Illini. And that's it. We've run through everybody. So I guess the only question left is where am I going? Well, no, we because there's another. Do you want to do this on here? Because uh, yeah. <laughs> there's what? another. There's another Greg Swain. Okay, where are we looking at it? Let's do it. Okay, so you got Princeton. And they're hosting um, Mendota. Yep. Really good game, and then down the road to Manlius, it's yep. um, Bureau Valley and Kiwani. Two really good games. Yep. Um, Galesburg hosts Geneseo, but you would start at Monmouth Roseville. Okay. And getting getting uh, Coach Adolfson and Monmouth Rosa, who's playing really good football, and then over to um, Berg Pride, baby. Berg Pride taking on Geneseo. Now, well, I, I, I know in you, like, I think Princeton and Bureau Valley is like it, like that's a, but it, I mean, you're the high priced free agent. You're, <laughs> you're, it's your world, Greg. We're just living it. But those are, those are intriguing games for you. Are they not? That you nailed it. Yeah. I would say if those, yeah. You, you know me well enough to know where uh, where I'd want to be on a Friday night. Yeah. I don't know if I could commit on the air. That's that's a tough task. I feel like, I feel like if you're committing on the air, you're going to tick off other schools that you said no, <laughs> yeah. no to. Like, so, nobody needs to know. Because, like, can you imagine Jeremy listening to this and, and texting me like, really, man? Yeah. You have to come check us out. You're not going to come down and watch us play. So I won't put you on the spot. But there's some – you know what? I will say this. Um Week four, I think from top to bottom is the best slate of games we've had all season. 
Oh, yeah. Yeah. Every you look at um, Princeton and Mendota in that con- in the uh, Three Rivers, Euro Valley and Kiwani in the Three Rivers, um, Mercer County versus A Town, A Town in, in the LTC, Rocky versus Moline, obviously the huge game. Geneseo and Galesburg really intrigues me as well. Um, I like Gary Propertown and Rock Ridge. I think that's going to be a good football game. So there's a lot of good games in this area, uh, on, in, in the western side of the state, um, coming up in week four. So I'm um, really looking forward to Friday nights as always. Well, I am looking forward to being back uh, at WQAD this week and uh, being back on the sidelines. Although the four, the four TV setup was pretty sweet, but being back on the sidelines would be nice too. I was just, because Cuff wasn't there and then you weren't there. And I'm like, man, this is just nuts. Like this is just nuts. <laughs> you're not there, so I'm I'm, ex- I'm excited to see you come back. I I am happy to be joining you once again. <laughs> All right, All buddy, and thank you for. I don't think I filled Mitch's shoes the way I should have. So I, I I appreciate you letting me come on and do this, and it's always fun. We did these a lot of these back in the days on on Monday nights when Cuff was off back in our in our WQAD days, and yep. we would we would sit in the back office and. And the beauty part about this, Mitch, if you're listening, there's no edits in this baby. This is one <laughs> take, my friend. One take, my friend. <laughs> That's right. That's right. But usually at WQID, we'd have to do it after the show was over, and we'd sit and find all the notes, and then we wouldn't even hit record until midnight. So this yeah. is much better. Yeah. Yeah, this is great. You get to go to bed, and I got to wait for Monday Night Football to get done so I can go on air. So <laughs> it all worked out perfect. Thanks, buddy. I appreciate you letting me do it. All right, well, we'll see you Friday night. And uh, for everyone listening, thank you so much. And we'll uh, see you next week, breaking down some games from week four. That'll do it for this week's episode of View from the West. Thank you so much for listening. I encourage you to go out to Apple Podcasts or Podbean and subscribe so you can follow along and downloads will come automatically every week. You can follow along on Twitter at ViewFromWestPod. You can also email me if you're interested in being a sponsor viewfromwestpod at gmail.com. Thanks so much. We'll see you next week.